Hello, welcome to the Mag Life, episode number 168. I'm Daniel Shaw, and I'm here with John Dillon, who is a firearms lawyer or attorney, whichever uh, he prefers. He said he doesn't care. Uh, Dillon Law Group, APC. He's out of California. He's on the front lines of the firearm ownership, freedom, liberty, Second Amendment fight in California. I'll let him tell you a little bit more about what he's doing. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going? Going pretty good. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we have a lot of questions out here that I got all over our previous post with uh, Adam Kraut from mm-hmm. the Firearms Policy Coalition and a few other articles that we put up and we've seen across the web, some Reddit stuff. So I got questions from all over. Um, I don't. Ha- I didn't put the names down to people who asked them for their, their privacy. Maybe they wanted that. So I just took the questions and hopefully they listen to this and they answer. But before we get into that, I think people need to understand that when I'm working, doing marketing stuff at Gun Mag, and I'm teaching a class this weekend in in Indiana, um, when we're doing the things that we do in my life, and somebody's a construction worker, somebody else is a uh, a plumber, you know, there's a blue collar job, and somebody else is a CEO of a major company, they're listening to this show. When they're doing their jobs, you're fighting for firearms rights in California, for the Second Amendment. And uh, I think that's important because right now in 2020, in, in the world of Google, everybody's a virologist. Uh, everybody is a constitutional law scholar um, because they Googled something once and read an article. And that's really not the case. It's uh, we, we don't download that, that level of information and, and knowledge uh, that you have. So so you, you mentioned before we came on the show about a uh, some case where you're, you're fighting the California, what they call the assault weapons ban. That one and, and whatever, what else are you working on right now fighting for? Yeah, so right now uh, we are challenging California's assault weapons ban. Basically, uh, for those of you who have no idea what an assault weapon is because you live in a free state, <laughs> it's uh, you know an AR-style rifle or AK-style rifle, basically any semi-automatic rifle, pistol, or shotgun that has the evil features that magically make a gun you know, a weapon of mass destruction or what do they say, the, the weapon of war. So a pistol grip, a collapsible stock, all that. Uh, in California, uh, we've had this assault weapons ban for a long time. Uh, then they've expanded it uh, many times over, and they've actually just passed another piece of legislation that expanded it again. One of the cases we have is called Miller v. Becerra, and it's challenging the entire assault weapons ban in California. We are claiming that this is an unconstitutional ban. You can't just ban guns by just claiming that they're more dangerous uh, without any actual evidence or, you know, real world facts that can back something like that up. You know, anyone who's picked up a rifle of any kind knows a rifle is a rifle. You know, a gun is a gun. Uh, if something is semi-automatic, it's semi-automatic. Uh, the, you know, an AR-15 shoots the exact same way, has the same mechanical functions as a Mini-14 Ruger. It doesn't matter what kind of pistol grip you put on it. It's still going to shoot the same caliber bullet still going to have the same firing rate, more or less. So uh, we're challenging that. Uh, Another one of the cases that I brought in California in the federal court, another weird law in California, is we actually have a ban on uh, lawful legal adults ages 18 to 20 from being able to purchase firearms. So uh, if you are a lawful adult, you're 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, you live on your own, have your own job, have your own place, you cannot go and buy a firearm to protect yourself or for self-defense. It's actually impossible uh, unless you fit some crazy, what they call exceptions. Uh, you know, one of them being is become a cop. So in order to exercise your fundamental right, self-defense and the right to keep and bear arms, 
you got to go and apply for a position with law enforcement, go through post-training, get all sorts of tests, go through a polygraph, and then actually meet the requirement that you're 21 before you can even carry a gun on patrol. So there, there's a bunch of illusory kind of exceptions to that, but uh, that's one of the other cases I'm working on. Uh, and as many people know, you know, California, we're one of the leaders when it comes to, you know, the irrational, terrible, unconstitutional gun control laws. And a lot of the laws that you see right now being talked about, especially during election years, not even getting into who's in the election, but every time you get an election, you hear about new gun laws, gun control. Uh, and California has generally been the source for where these uh, gun control bills come from. You know, the assault weapons ban that came from California. Uh, you know, you have age restriction bans that comes from California, magazine limits that also comes out of California. And uh, I think talking about magazines, that's uh, why we had a little bit of a hectic uh, week last Friday. Uh, you know, we all woke up. I actually got a text message from you saying, did you see the decision right as I had pulled it up and started to read it? So uh, basically what happened, and was this last Friday or uh, Thursday? It's all muddled together right now. Friday. Friday. So last Friday, the Ninth Circuit actually uh, published a decision stating that bans on, quote, large capacity magazines or anything that holds over 10 rounds is unconstitutional. And, you know, for those of you who like follow along and have kind of followed this process, especially with this case, it's called Duncan v. Becerra. Uh, we had a, a wonderful week uh, a little while ago uh, that everyone has uh, rightly called Freedom Week in California. So we have this court of appeal decision that came out on Friday. But if we go back in time, uh, again, we have a challenge to this unconstitutional law regarding magazines. And the federal judge, his name is Judge Benitez, he uh, issued a preliminary injunction and actually subsequently a summary judgment stating that this entire law that bans the possession, the transfer, buying, selling, manufacturing, importing of high cap mags, he said that this is unconstitutional. It does not fit within the realm of Heller. And you know, th there's no real justification for being able to strip people of these lawful magazines. They're protected by the Second Amendment, and any type of ban on them should be uh, actually, in, in his opinion, it's a categorical approach when it comes to whether or not it's unconstitutional. If something's in common use, and you can't ban it, it's protected by the Second Amendment. Uh, even Knowing that, he also applied strict scrutiny, which is a constitutional standard of how we judge what type of infringement uh, you're dealing with. And he ruled that, yeah, this is, uh, you know, the, the state it has to meet a strict scrutiny standard, and he ruled it unconstitutional. Now, when he did that, he enjoined the law, which means the law is put on pause. You cannot enforce it. And so right after that came out, everyone is reading this decision going, we can now buy magazines, and now we're into Freedom Week. Uh, and so there was a huge run on mags. I'm pretty sure the state of California bought every magazine uh, in the country within a five-day period of time uh, from what I've seen. Pretty close. We sold a lot of magazines. I, I like to say that we increased the magazine capacity of California by a lot. Yeah, it, it was amazing and astonishing to see just the level uh, of almost 
teamwork uh, with all the other states and companies and everyone going, all right, hey, we got to get California their lawful magazines. Let's do it. Yeah, let me let me tell you something that, that <laughs> blew my mind when this happened. There were some people in a few states that we would get calls like, hey, we get it. You're behind because of the California orders, but I want my stuff. Screw California. They should move to a free state. There was a few of those. But for the most part, when we told them, like, hey, we're really behind. We have to get these out to California. So we put our other orders on hold. People were like, oh, no, that's that's fine. That's okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that was what was going on. Get them their mags. And, like, our customers were very supportive of, of those Californians getting this this short opportunity. That was really cool to see. And Californians would call in just, just wondering if their order was going to get out. We'd be like, look, yes, but we're – your order is probably three days from getting shipped because we just got so many orders and we've got everybody working nonstop, like round the clock. I flew in, I was in a different state working remotely. I flew in to help. I was back there packing box. We, we were all there. People would call in, they would be crying on the phone when we told them like, yeah, your magazines are shipping. We, here's your tracking number. They would, they would cry. And uh, they were just so passionate about it. Uh, and this was, this was, we had multiple, like over 10 of these people on the phone who were just so emotional about that they were getting magazines. It was uh, it was an awesome thing, man. It really was. Yeah, and being in California, and I represent a bunch of gun shops uh, in Southern California, I myself you know, left my office and dropped in on a couple of the local gun shops that I work with, and there were lines out the door, and people were so excited. It was like Christmas for adults, and everyone was you know, ecstatic and just buying everything they could. I saw people buying magazines for guns they didn't even own. They're like, I'll just buy the gun later. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was uh, it. pretty funny. But so that injunction went into place. So we had about seven days of when we could buy magazines. And the state, doing what the state does, they uh, appealed and they tried to get uh, a what's called a stay. They moved to get a stay on the injunction, which basically says, put it on pause and we're going to appeal. So summary judgment came out and the state appealed that decision and they were granted the stay. So what the judge did is he said, all right, everyone who owns a magazine, if you already have the magazine, you own it, even those who bought it during Freedom Week. If you own that magazine, it's lawful for you to own that magazine. You're not under threat. He stay, he put an injunction on the possession portion of the law. And then he stayed the other parts of the injunction, which addressed manufacturing, buying, selling, transferring, all of that. And he said, okay, we got, we're going to put a pause basically on Freedom Week until we have final resolution on appeal. And that's the critical language that we're all talking about here. So now we fast forward, we got this decision from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which in and of itself is amazing. You know, getting a favorable Second Amendment decision out of the Ninth Circuit is extraordinary. It, it really is. So that in itself is wonderful. And you're reading it, it's a, a great decision, great. Uh, uh, the judge uh, who wrote the decision was did a good job. So that comes out. And now everyone's like, all right, we get to buy magazines again. Ninth Circuit said that it's unconstitutional to, to ban large capacity magazines. And for those of you out there, I don't call them high cap mags, large scratch magazines. I, I believe that magazines a magazine. I don't care how many rounds it has. I'm just using the language that is used in court and law because that's yeah. We get we get beat with. up on the same thing. <laughs> We're trying to use the same language that, that is used in California, but that's what people are searching for in California. Yeah, get them the information and. We usually say, you know, we understand that they're standard capacity magazines, obviously. You know, when you get into some 100-round drum, not so standard, but it's still a magazine. And you have yeah. every right to own it. And mm -hmm. there's no mortal manager to tell you that you can't. 
So it's um, it, we we totally get it, but we still get beat up sometimes for for using the the terminology that uh, the law speak that they're using there in California. Yeah, I, I don't even yeah. like using the word assault weapon. You know, you, you show me, me an AR-15, it's like it's a rifle. I don't. It's the same as lever action in my mind. It's just a rifle. So I'm just using the nomenclature that the court sees here. So we get this decision. Everyone's like, it says it's unconstitutional. Let's go buy some magazines. So uh, that's actually, we started talking on Friday. You, you sent me a text saying, all right, wh- where are we stand? What's going on? And, and this was the issue. Now, I know it says it's unconstitutional and, and we have a Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decision. But in the realm of you know law and courts, there we have to, to adhere to procedures. There's all sorts of, you know, giant books of just procedural rules that we have to follow when it comes to filing motions, getting stuff, like getting a decision to be considered a final resolution, a final entry of judgment. So that all has to come into play. So we get this decision and this is the big problem. So the stay was put into place by the district court, which is the lower court. And it was a stay pending final resolution on appeal. So we have this appeal decision. Now, it's somewhat debatable uh, of what is considered a final resolution, but just because we have this court appeal decision, the state still has some options on essentially appealing this decision. And so procedurally, it's not a final resolution. And I think one of the things that you sent me, a lot of people were questioning, was uh, an August 28th date or time frame. Everyone's saying like, oh, you know, uh, until August 28th, we got to put on hold. I, what I believe they're all referencing is the state has 14 days from this decision to uh, file what's considered a motion for reconsideration on bonk. And what that is, is they uh, file some uh, pleadings and paperwork arguing that instead of the three-judge panel that decided this case in the Court of Appeals, they want the entire uh, what's called on bonk panel of Ninth Circuit judges to re-review the case and reconsider it. Uh, And instead of three judges, it's a panel of 11 judges. And so basically everything restarts in front of this 11 judge panel and they could get a decision that affirms the first court of appeal decision and agrees with it, or they can uh, overturn what the three judge panel did. So, just that alone, the fact that they have that option still means technically that th- this court of appeals decision is not a final decision. yet. So that's why uh, you didn't see the stay at the district court level get lifted. Judge Benitez didn't do it himself. Um, the, the court of appeals, once they have a final decision, they, they issue what's called a mandate, which basically it's a piece of paper that, that gets sent down to the district court saying, hey, uh, this is unconstitutional, lift the, the stay. And if that happens, then the judge can say, all right, no more stay. The injunctions enforced, this is an unconstitutional law, have at it. But that hasn't happened yet. So this first hurdle is that the time period for the reconsideration, uh, if they're able to, if the en banc court accepts their request, then they're going to go through this process again, but it does. It's not something that they automatically get. They actually have to request and argue that this 11 judge panel should review the case. They can't just say, Oh, we just want it because we lost. They got to reason it and argue 
that something about this three judge panel, they didn't do something right. And they need to, so now the 11 judge panel has to reconsider it. That sounds like good news. Like they can't just say, Hey, no, we're yeah, not accepting so, this. We're having. Yeah. And so when they file this motion for reconsideration, the, the plaintiffs in this case, the, the pro gun guys, they get a chance to file motions and, and a responsive pleading to argue, no, 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 this doesn't need to be reconsidered. This was a good decision. They adhered to the law. They didn't, you know, apply any shady reasoning. This should stand. And the actually the, the courts look at that and they determine, all right, something was off. We need to re reconsider this or not. It's fine. It was applied properly and the decision stands. The other option that can happen, it's more unusual to do this before an en banc review, but it is possible. They the state could do a writ of certiorari which is a petition to the U.S. Supreme Court. And it's basically the same type of thing. They can request that the Supreme Court reviews this case. Say, hey, we're appealing this. We think the Supreme Court should take a look at this case and make a decision. I don't think that's very likely personally that they do a straight appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, right now, uh, you know, we saw this recently. Uh, there were 10 different Second Amendment cases that were awaiting a decision on the Supreme Court, whether or not the Supreme Court was going to take up their case. Uh, and all of them got denied. The consensus in the legal community, and especially the legal gun community here, is, you know, you have a split. You have four j justices that more than likely are going to rule against uh, the Second Amendment, try to restrain it in some way. And you have four judges that would adhere to Heller, our previous, the, the, the court decision that quite literally established that you have a personal right to keep and bear arms. And then you have one other justice who's the swing vote. And it could go either way. You, uh, everyone says it's Justice Roberts. And, and uh, there are times where he, for lack of a better word, swings left and applies a more liberal, leftist type approach to certain cases. And there's times that he swings right and applies what's considered a more conservative approach to cases. So I think because there is still that swing vote and no one really knows where he would fall, I don't know if anyone's really willing to risk taking up that case. And I'd say that because you only need four justices to take up uh, a case for the Supreme Court to accept a case. And you have arguably four justices that want Second Amendment cases and want to rule on them. The fact is that that they have enough people to accept a case, but they still are denying them, makes me think, at least personally, that they're not certain that they can get that fifth vote because they need that fifth vote on their side to actually have a decision in that, in you know, pro-Second Amendment decision. So it's complex. There's all sorts of craziness that goes on. But in essence, because they're still technically two options for the state to appeal this decision, they haven't literally met the final resolution on appeal yet. And that's why we haven't seen this stay lifted when it comes to maggots. You're like the easiest guest ever. <laughs> you just answered like seven questions without me having to even ask them or even talk. I, I just, you get on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Just for clarity, though, I'm, I'm going to read some of those. And, and if yeah. you have anything to add to that, go ahead. If not, I, I'm pretty sure you've already covered all these pretty well. One of the things you just covered was why is this decision alone not enough to end the magazine ban? And I think that was that was pretty clear 
because it's not reached that final resolution yet because there still are options that California can take. Yeah, and again, this is a purely procedural legal standard that a requirement. You know, in the world, if I tell you something's unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. If, if everyone agrees something's unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. But again, we're in the legal world, the court world, where we have to adhere to certain procedures and standards. Uh, and that's one of the things that we just have to follow. You know, uh, a lot of times you hear, you know, people, why don't we just fight this, take it to court and overturn this law? Well, most of these cases can take minimum. I mean, just in the two cases I'm on right now, we're already past the year and we're still early. I, I haven't even been to trial yet at the district court level. And we're a year into it, over a year into them. These things can go five six, even 10 years to go through this whole ladder of going through all the courts, going to the appellate courts, even going to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and so there's a big fight there, but that's essentially what's going on is it's not enough to end the ban because we don't technically and procedurally have a final decision. But come 90 days, if no uh, you know reconsideration is accepted and no Supreme Court review, then the a court of appeals will likely issue a mandate telling uh, the district court and Judge Benitez has to lift the stay, and then magazines for everyone. Everyone's wallets are going to be a little bit thinner. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay, Ed, you also answered the one, uh, the only way this particular case can result uh, in changes if it goes to the Supreme Court. I think that was pretty clear that there's there's other options out there. One, one asked, is, well, he didn't really ask, it was a statement, a law is void if it violates the Constitution. The Ninth Circuit just found that the magazine limitation is unconstitutional. Therefore, the mag law is void. Should be plain and simple. At least we, I'm reading these verbatim. At least we have a few companies and gun shops out, shops out there uh, who see it that way. Another, the Constitution is the law of the land. So if something is deemed unconstitutional, it is considered void. No judge has to say anything. Yeah, so... Personally, I want to say, like, I agree with that sentiment in the sense Me too. that if something's unconstitutional, then I don't have to follow that law. So on a personal level, wholeheartedly agree. And I think when, especially when you have courts that say something's unconstitutional, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, so let me go buy my mags and don't bother me. That's my mentality. However, again, this kind of goes to that procedural thing. I think a lot of when you have this, a law is void if it violates the Constitution, that comes from an older case uh, a long time ago. Uh, I'm not going to say it's read out of context, but in again, in the legal world, in the world of the courts, you can't just say, well, it's, un it's void if it's unconstitutional. Don't bother me. Again, we got to adhere to all this procedure. Uh, and I don't... Yeah, thinking about like this, it. this could be a scary thing. You know, yeah. if, if it were if it were that simple for one judge or a panel of three judges to say this is unconstitutional and then suddenly that thing is unconstitutional, that power could be severely abused and be used against us uh, or against freedoms and individual liberties uh, and, and all manner of things. So having some process that, that puts a check and balance on people using uh, corrupt individuals or uh, people just, you know, going out for more power and removing individual liberties and freedoms. This this could be a dangerous thing if there weren't any systems in place. When somebody, because I could totally see this being abused if uh, just a judge could rule it's unconstitutional and then that's the end of the story. There's no fighting back. 
Yeah, and that's a great point because you have to also look at this the other way. Now, let's say the court said, no, this is a constitutional law. And remember, this is a law that bans possession and requires people to get rid of the magazine. So if you bought a you know, high cap mag 20 years ago, you've lawfully owned it your whole life. And then a decision comes out. If there's no checks and balances and procedure that goes along with that court decision, arguably the state could just start knocking on people's doors and be like, you're in violation of the law. You're possessing a magazine uh, and you're under arrest. We're going to search your house and do all sorts of stuff. The, the procedures and, you know, the stuff that the, the boring stuff when it comes to law, those checks and balances, they do go both ways. And the fact that let's say the court said this is constitutional, there is still an appeal process. There is still a time period in which, uh, you know, the plaintiffs can, you know, appeal that decision, go for a motion for reconsideration, request the Supreme Court to review. And that is in place in order to keep the abuse of power and people from just railroading, you know, citizens. And so, although on a personal level, again, I'm like, hey, yeah, it's said unconstitutional, you should be able to buy mags. You, you got to understand the other side of the coin. If, if these procedures aren't in place, with a decision that's not good or that can infringe on your rights, that can be abused in a terrible way. And so, you know, can't love procedure always, but you got to respect it at least uh, and see that, hey, this, you know, although it takes a long time and you just want to go buy your magazine, these things are there for a reason and they do help at uh, times. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, when this law in California was originally passed, we had the state saying, you know, come July 1st, no more magazines. You can't possess them. If you possess them, you're breaking the law. You're a criminal. And this whole thing, this whole case started. They filed a complaint and they went for a preliminary injunction to be like, hey, whoa, whoa, wait. You don't get to just come in and say that everyone's a criminal because they've had these magazines for 20 years. We got to stop and join this law, stop it from being enforced until we can have the courts decide on whether or not this is constitutional. So that procedure saved a lot of people. And the fact that that case was filed, that preliminary injunction was was put into place, that saved a lot of people from becoming a criminal just overnight. And, and that is the danger when it comes to this type of gun control mechanism, where it's the banning, the prohibiting, and, you know, taking away. Uh, it's quite literally like, I'm a gun owner. I, you know, I love guns collect guns, shoot guns. I don't want to go to sleep one night and wake up the next morning having someone knock on my door saying, oh, a judge said something was unconstitutional or was constitutional and we're allowed to take all your guns. There's got to be some checks and balances in place to be like, all right, hey, you can't just do that. So I think that was a great point that you bring that up. Another one that, that was asked was, uh, wait, so if I had just purchased a bunch of 30 round mags to be shipped to California, was that illegal? Saying that he purchased or she purchased them over this past weekend. So what happened here? Uh, this is the best information I have. Talking to some friends of mine that, that work in other companies and some some customers of ours, some uh, friends of mine in California, and uh, just some people I'm close to around the farms industry, just asking around because contrary to popular belief, not at all these companies are just are at each other's throats and hate each other. I have I have friends at pretty much every single major farms manufacturer and and retail company out there, you know, that are, that we talk on a regular basis. And maybe we don't, there's some things we don't talk about because the things we're doing just, is just business practice, but we, we talk and, and we share information and there's me and two other big retailers. We, we talk 
uh, have recently about this this weekend and have, have texted back and forth because we wanted to make sure we were all making the right decisions. We wanted to make sure we weren't doing things that, one, could, could get us in trouble uh, and be held liable in some way where we're in a big court case for years and fighting and, and it, it hurts us uh, in a lot of different ways. It hurts our customers and it hurts our ability to serve our customers. Uh, but we also wanted to protect our customers and make sure that we weren't doing anything that uh, because they didn't have all the information that maybe they made the wrong decision and we didn't want to put them in a position where maybe they would be prosecuted for something. So, and I think there's a pretty strong argument for right now, if somebody did receive magazines that like, nobody's going after them on this, but you know, you never know. We're talking California here and ninth circuit and stuff. So who knows? But he says, uh, yes, if you purchased a bunch of magazines, you know, was that illegal, you know, based on what you just said before with the, the stay is still there and all that, then, you know, technically it is. Now, I know a few companies did get some magazines sent out uh, before they stopped it. Because what a lot of them did was they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to ship. Uh, some of them said we're shipping and holding. Some of them said that they're shipping, but they really weren't shipping. They were just holding. Um, and then they changed that. They, gave, they clarified more. Now, not saying that they were trying to mislead a customer. They, it was probably just a communica- communication thing where uh, we are taking orders. And that was misconstrued through the telephone game and the way things get shared and posted on Reddit and everything else. Next thing you know, these companies that are really just taking orders to hold magazines and carts for people um, in case the stay is lifted got turned into something different. So, but there were a couple of companies who, for a very short time, did ship some magazines. And I know one of them has tried to stop some of those in shipment to get them back to protect the customer. Uh, and protect themselves, uh, but let's say let's say one did get through the line, some magazines to some people in California, and they received them. Was that act illegal? You know, as per you know, the way the law stands right now, and do you think they're at any any risk right now? Yeah. So generally speaking, and, and this is the thing, uh, I'm not gonna say that yes, what you did is legal, and you're gonna be prosecuted. Um, but I will say this: the stay was in fact still in order, and that said you know, couldn't buy, purchase, import, manufacture. But there there was mass confusion that came out right when this decision came out. Uh, and, you know, lawyers like me, like just like you were talking to uh, all your connections with the various companies in the gun world, I'm talking to all the other Second Amendment attorneys uh, in California, and we're all discussing this. All right, so what's the effect? How far does this go? What can we do? What can we not and so we had to review that whole opinion, check it out, and discuss, you know, amongst ourselves, like, hey, you know, what's going on here? So for, you know, the, the average person to see a decision come out saying that something's unconstitutional, it is 100% reasonable to be like, okay, it's fine. There's no problem. And that, that's an that's important just, word you just used right there, reasonable. Yeah, and, and a lot of, you know, the, the, there's no intent to break the law or anything like that. Um, you know, intent's not technically a, a requirement in this law, but I think if a few magazines got through, um, I don't really see the state going after and prosecuting those people just because, you know, the DOJ itself, I don't, they, I think, issued a notice to all the FFLs in California, I believe on Saturday. Yep. And so, you know, 24 hours after this decision came out, the DOJ was sent out saying, hey, you know, the state's still in place, can't sell magazines to FFLs in California. So you had a 24-hour period of time where no one even knew the state's position uh, on and their own interpretation on this. 
so I think if anyone ever did actually uh, get into any type of legal trouble, I believe there's a good solid argument and legal argument to challenge that um, and not get an actual conviction. I mean, in my mind, if it is something like that, where someone bought the magazine thinking it was legal, but it, you know, happened to to not be because the stay is in order, the the proper thing would be to be just hand over the magazine and be like, no harm, no foul, you know, it's okay, you're you're not a criminal. But again, you know, I don't think that's going to be a big deal. If it is, hey, you're welcome to call me uh, or any other uh, second amendment attorney in, in California, and, and we'll help you out. Because it, that's not something that, you know, you should be uh, prosecuted for by any means. That's good news. You know, yeah. before I'm a, a representative and of, a, of a, you know, major online firearms retailer or in the firearms industry, you're going to have a hard time finding somebody who believes more and fights more for the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So I'd say that to me and, you know, my children's being able to protect themselves and everything else is much more important to me than the bottom line in, in some company that supersedes everything. So good to hear that no other companies uh, would, could, would likely be in any, any trouble there or especially the individuals out there who did that. And this isn't legal advice, but maybe if you do, you know, end up receiving a magazine that didn't get, wasn't able to be stopped in order to return it. And, you know, that might be a good idea. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Probably the safest thing to do. Yeah. All right, here, here's one that uh, it's a it's a little long one. Uh, so you're saying the unconstitutional law that was being forced on citizens was repealed. If it was unconstitutional, then it wasn't a law to begin with. So it was the government breaking the law. When people start to recognize this and resist, the law becomes of no effect. Hell, 80% of the laws on the books right now are not even constitutional. The power is in the hands of the people, not the government. Once America recognizes this programming, then freedom can reign like it's supposed to. It boils down to being willing to give your lives, your fortune, and your sacred honor. That's what this is about, folks. Pretty sure Judge Benitez said his stay ends upon the ruling of the appeals court. So that, that last line there is something that I saw a lot in the questions out there. The rest yeah. of this, he just pretty much described the, the founders and what they did in the Revolutionary War. That's exactly um, what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I 100% agree. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's one of those things. Uh, well, first, with the pretty sure the state ends upon the ruling of the appeals court. Remember, law and all that stuff it's all elite with it you know legalese you got to pay attention to every word on that piece of paper and the actual quote is a stay was in place pending final resolution of the appeal and we've already been in the the subject of what's the final yep. resolution and all that but going back to his other argument in, in the sense of you know you know we the people we have uh power to either accept a law or you know for lack of a better word, rebel against uh, what is considered an unconstitutional law. The thing is, and he does touch on this, and, and so all props to him here, uh, it's are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to make that sacrifice? You brought up the Founding Fathers. Well, what they did was treason. If they were yeah. caught, they were dead. They would be killed, beheaded. And almost the... all of them paid a very serious price for it. Yeah, their lives were absolutely ruined, the uh, majority of these founders. Uh, and what they're fighting for, they're like, this is worth it. And, you know, we saw we have now a, a, an amazing country uh, from that. 
There's one thing that our founders did that I think that people forget a lot right now because I see it all all the time. People are talking about it's time to go to gun, time to go to kinetic, kind of time to do this. One of the things that they did that they they did they set an amazing example for us. They didn't say let's just start fighting right now, let's do this. They worked for many years and fought oh, yeah. very hard through a legislative process and lobbying and trying to gain our freedom and begin this experiment in a nonviolent way. And when everything had failed, all procedure had failed, then they took those actions. Yeah, it, it wasn't just, uh, we don't want to do what you say anymore, bang, 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 we started our own country. This is a very long process of them trying to work within the confines of the English law and the English system. Uh, they, they, you know, appealing to their representatives across the, the Atlantic and trying to get their rights within that world. Um, and it failed after a long and hard, you know, battle, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, to where they got to the point where, look, you know, we're, our rights are being violated. They're taking over, you know, our, our homes. They're, you know, abusing us in every which way. We've done literally everything we can uh, to where now we have no other choice. Um, and again, it's one of those things. If you hold true to this belief that an unconstitutional unconstitutional law is not no law and you don't have to follow it and let's say if you live in california and you're like whatever i'm gonna have my ar with all its features and it's gonna be a quote assault weapon i'm gonna throw high cap magazines in there and buy high cap mags that's your prerogative you could do that but you are violating the law that is currently in place and you are putting yourself uh, you know in extreme criminal liability and you got to be willing to then suffer the consequences of that, unfortunately, which means lawyers, means court, and means jail time. You know, it's, it's insane. The one good thing about these lawsuits is we're fighting them on a civil level. You know, there's criminal court and there's civil court. We're filing civil rights claims in civil court, which means, you know, we're, we're not defending someone right now who's under threat of going to prison for the rest of their life. So it's way better to fight these constitutional battles in the courts on that civil level rather than being in the criminal field. Because if you don't get the decision that you want and you're in the criminal field, then someone's going to jail. You know, the defendant, the guy who, you know, arguably violated the law is going to jail. And the person you bought that gun to protect, if you bought that gun to protect your family or you want to defend They're yourself, not going to be protected. You're, you're going to be locked up somewhere. You're not going to be able to provide for them. You're, you're, yeah. you're going to be losing everything. Now, I am a big fan of, of rightful civil disobedience. Huge mm -hmm. fan of it when it's the right thing to do. And I'm not saying that, that doing that to your AR and all that stuff isn't fully constitutional and is the right thing to do because I 100% believe that it is. But you just have to understand what you're taking on yeah, what comes with it? When you do that and how you have to think about one something that me and Varg talk about in this podcast is your personal mission. Yes, I have a personal mission to everything that I do. I want to continue. I want to, I don't, I don't want to do anything that in any way compromises the Second Amendment. Uh, I want to always defend the Second Amendment above anything else that I'm going to do. Uh, even a gun mag's choice to, to not ship magazine was I for the right thing to do. Yeah, we could have made a lot of money on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. We mm -hmm. really could have. But it, it wasn't the right thing to do for the defense, the continued defense uh, of the Second Amendment and 
the individuals out there exercising their right. So that's why we chose not to do it. And if your personal mission is to be there for your family and protect those that you love with firearms, you can't do that if you're locked up. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's one of those things, it, it's like I was kind of saying earlier, you know, it's better to make these fights and, you know, to make these arguments of whether something's unconstitutional or constitutional in a civil level where there's no extraordinarily bad repercussions on an individual. Like I, as a lawyer, I would rather be fighting for this stuff uh, in the civil realm where if the decision doesn't go our way, I'm not seeing my client go to jail for, you know, five, 10, 20 years. I, I, no one wants that. And, and I don't believe you should be going to jail because your grip is, you know, at 15 degrees rather than 90 degrees. Like it's, it's an absurd, uh, you know, way of looking at this stuff and, you know, whether something's banned or not. But yeah, if you're going to do that process of the civil disobedience, you just got to know what comes with it. And if you're willing to take on that threat and willing to take on that hard life, if you're ever, you know, caught or challenged on that, you know, go for it. Uh, you know, uh, guys like me, we'll, we'll, we'll jump in and, and, and try to put a stop to the state abusing your rights as much as we can. Uh, but I, I would prefer to to do this on the civil side to where we can really attack these laws and get stuff like Freedom Week where people went and bought magazines and it was entirely legal. They had their freedom to to get uh, you know lawfully protected firearm accessories and you know I, I think that was a good thing. I wish it lasted much longer and I'm hoping that by the end of this case you know we'll be able to walk into a shop and buy whatever magazine you want. I think that would be fantastic. So that would be uh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's one of those things. And we kind of had talked about this earlier. Uh, and again, it happened uh, on Friday. You know, I think a lot of the companies and businesses that, you know, were, you know, talking about shipping or taking orders, you know, yes, you're, you're a business and company. So obviously making money is a, a good thing and that's probably uh, on the top priority list. But I also, again, saw a genuine, uh, you know, happiness and, you know, positivity of people seeing these laws get, you know, overturned and saying, hey, let's get you guys these mags that you've been deprived of. And, you know, let's let you exercise your rights like you should. And, you know, I, so I think there was an optimism that, that came along with the decision that came out and everyone was just really excited that, you know, hey, freedom's out again. We There's some freedom in California, you know. Too often you hear about all the negative stuff and, you know, all the restrictions and rules and bans and prohibitions that come with California. You know, we're a state that's really good at, you know, banning stuff. You know, it's, it's almost impressive how many things we can ban. Uh, and that's not even on a firearm level, but just in general. So I think people are just generally happy to see it. Yeah. And this fight's not over. And if anybody can help out there, we did it on Friday and I'm not trying to do this as an attaboy. I think everybody should do it as individuals, as companies and everything else. You know, we, we made a contribution to the California rifle and pistol association and the FPC, which are two organizations that are somewhat involved with the California rifle and pistol association is a lot involved. Uh, FPC has, has done some things to help out. So these people that are on the front lines that are the organizations that are fighting for this, um, they need help. They have to, they have to pay uh, for people like you, your time to, to put in the work. And, and there's, I'm sure there's some pro bono work happening out there because there's things you believe in, but you also, you got to feed, you got to feed the family. 
Yeah, and you got to take care of yourself and everybody else. And yeah, CRPA, uh, Fires Policy Coalition, uh, California Gun Rights uh, Foundation, Second Amendment Foundation, all of them uh, have been instrumental in California. They, they work all of them heavily. You know, Fires Policy Coalition, Second Amendment Foundation, California Gun Rights Foundation. They're backing both of my federal cases right now, challenging the assault weapons ban and the, the ban on lawful adults 18 to 20. So they, they work hard and it, yeah, they take up these cases and they pay for everything. They pay for the experts. They pay for all the research. They pay for the attorneys to work. I mean, these things like as an example, uh, in this uh, under 21 case that I have, it's Jones v. Becerra. Uh, when we filed our preliminary injunction, I believe it consisted about 1700 pages so 1700 pages of pleadings and exhibits and evidence and documentary evidence that went along with this just one pleading i mean it was a massive filing that's a lot of work yeah it took a whole lot of uh, time and work to get it all done and multiple experts uh, and their reports and opinions it's these things are processed, and again, they last for years. Uh, and so, truly, like every one of these organizations we talked about, uh, I myself contribute to them on a personal level because I believe in what they do. Uh, I believe that you know a lot of these Second Amendment organizations—they're the key. They're the guys that are constantly, you know, checking the legislation, finding out what's being proposed, and fighting. They have lobbyists that go in, try to convince the legislatures to stop this from happening, and then when it does get enacted into law, you know, and there's an unconstitutional law, they are the first ones to, you know, pick up that phone and say, we got to stop this law. We got to, you know, file a lawsuit and we got to get people's rights back. So uh, it's one of the big things uh, you do. And I got to say this, the other thing uh, I like to always tell people, you know, uh, I'm the lawyer, I work in the courts, but that's the last line when it comes to fighting unconstitutional laws. That's the last resort is to challenge it in court there's a whole process before a law goes into effect and there's a whole process when it comes to you know who you're voting for when it comes to second amendment rights and what they support what they don't that comes into play and it's the long game of whether or not you're going to have representatives that actually represent you and your uh you know opinions uh, on your second amendment rights so I, I i encourage people to work with uh, organizations, local organizations that, you know, try to find Second Amendment supporters in office uh, because a lot of people that start in city council level, they end up years later going to the state level, even, you know, the congressional level. Uh, and, and if you can find and get pro-Second Amendment people in in your local offices, it makes a big difference. I work with the San Diego County Gun Owners Association out here in California, and that's their main goal is working on the local level to get representatives that actually support your Second Amendment rights. And that's the big thing. This decision, because it's from the Ninth Circuit, is going to apply to the Ninth Circuit. It's not that it's just because it was a federal Ninth Circuit court that it applies to the whole United States. It is not the Supreme Court. Uh, I think Adam did a pretty good job explaining that in the previous episode. What's important to know, you mentioned this earlier, John, about how the California law has, has carried over into Maryland's assault weapons ban and other states' uh, magazine capacity laws, like Colorado, yep. the city of Chicago, uh, the, the city of Aurora, New um, York, Chicago, or, or, uh, Illinois, uh, New York, New Jersey, all these places that have restrictions in place have taken this basically from 
the, from California. And so the, even though this, this, because this decision doesn't change everything for the rest of the country, this is very, very important for us to win this for the people of California, but also for the rest of the country and the continued yeah. defense of the Second Amendment. So if you're listening to this podcast and you don't live in California and this case doesn't fully affect you uh, right now, know that it does fully affect oh, yeah. you or it can fully affect you in the future. It can be very positive for us because there's a lot of good things happening right now and we got to keep it going. Oh, yeah, it's huge. You know, uh, it may the, the Ninth Circuit may not apply to wherever you live in, but it's what they call persuasive authority. It's not controlling. You, they can't point to the Ninth Circuit and say, now you have to do that here. But it is what they call persuasive in the courts, which means, you know, uh, another circuit court, Seventh Circuit, Fifth Circuit, Fourth Circuit, they can, you know, point to that and be like, look, the Ninth Circuit held this way. They, you know, applied this analysis with this reasoning. We're going to do that same thing here. Uh, and so it is very, very helpful, uh, even in other circuits and other federal courts. I mean, this is a, a big decision. And, you know, the Ninth Circuit in general, it's held to pretty high esteem when it comes to federal circuit courts. Uh, so a decision on the Ninth can be very powerful. And again, uh, when you're talking about these laws kind of seeping into other states and getting enacted in other states, you're really going to want that Ninth Circuit opinion in your favor. Uh, and it, it does help. And I, I'm sure right now there are many of us and even myself, we're, we're going to be citing to this decision uh, for a little while. So I will link the all these organizations in the show notes and the article accompanying this episode on the MagLife blog. That'll be at gummagwarehouse slash blog slash podcast will be up there. And you can go click those and see which one of these organizations that, that you would want to you know, contribute to and help them out so they can continue this fight for us. And uh, it, it will pay off. I know things can be tough out there for some people out there right now. Uh, but this is just this is could be monumental for us. This is huge and definitely huge for California. John, thank you so much for coming on and explaining all this. Like you were yeah, seriously super easy to just start talking and, and roll and cover everything. And I didn't ask to ask many questions. This was amazing. And uh, I learned some stuff and I think hopefully you clarified uh, a lot for people out there. Yeah. And I'm willing to come back anytime and, and talk uh, gun law uh, with uh, you and your listeners. It'd be great. Where can people find you, what you're doing or follow you, um, you know, locate you on the internet if they need you. So yeah, uh, my, Website for the firm is dylanlawgp.com. Uh, you can also, I do have social media uh, on Instagram. I'm CA Firearms Lawyer. On Twitter, I'm CA Firearms Law. Uh, so, you know, just type in California Firearms Lawyer. Hopefully, you'll find me on there. Uh, but I try to post as much as I can, especially when it comes to updates on certain cases and decisions. Uh, you know, I try to keep it gun related most of the time. Uh, and so if you ever have questions, I do my best to, to answer uh, comments and all that and, and DMs and everything. But uh, if I haven't answered you, I do apologize. I am uh, fairly busy and I'll try to get on that as much as I can. Awesome. Guys, go follow them, check them out. And if you have any further questions or you know, want some more information on some things we talked about here, there's always a good discussion in the comment section of the article accompanying the podcast on the MagaLife blog. So uh, go jump in there, ask your question. I can make sure John gets those questions and maybe have him back on and answer them, or we could just answer them in the comment section for you there. Uh, just good. trying to do our best to, to clarify things the best we can and, and get information from, from people who know a heck of a lot more than, than I do.
But again, thank you, John, for coming on. And uh, guys out there listening and girls, until next time, the Mag Life out.